Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And before uh, we get to that, just kind of a heads up as to what's coming next Sunday. Um, we're going to be talking about a, a very relevant topic. It is a pandemic I would say not only in our country, but around the world. We're going to have Josh Broom in with us next Sunday. Did you realize that the industry of pornography, if you would take professional baseball, professional football, professional basketball, and combine all of that income, the industry of pornography brings in more money than all those together. You can take CBS, NBC, and ABC, put them all together, and the business of pornography is a larger business financially than those three put together. It impacts us. It impacts every church. It impacts so many homes and families. And uh, Josh, um, he was... Uh, he was at one point one of the highest paid adult film actors and next week he's going to share with us how God redeemed him and changed his story and it's just going to be just incredibly I think relevant to our society and so I want you to just be praying about that be with us next Sunday all right Mission. Have you ever wondered what your mission is, what you're supposed to do? I, you know, a big example for me, a personal illustration of me, uh, when I was in college, um, and I hesitate to share this because we're in a college town, and many of you are associated with the universities some way, shape, or form, whether it's the Naz or Kenyon or wherever. Um, it took me getting kicked out of college three times. Not one, not two, but three. Yes, that's who you're listening to this morning. <laughs> Before I realized what my mission was as a college student. Um, I, I say kicked out, you know, that's probably a little harsh. Two, two different colleges, one of them was twice, asked me to take a break you know, to go work for manpower down in Columbus, dig ditches, paint fences, whatever, for a semester and see if I really, really wanted to be in on the mission of being in college. So the first few years of college, I, I thought, well, uh, this is like youth camp to me, man. This is like one big party. This is awesome. I mean, just fun people all over the place and fun stuff going on. And I made so many friends. Uh, the problem was that even though friends and good times are an important part of every element of life, that's not my main mission when I was in college, or it should not have been my main mission when I was in college. And, um, <clears throat> you know, so... Some of you are going, you know, well, just read. I started reading. Study. I started studying. And it was amazing how that worked. 
It was just, I was like, wow, this is, this does work. <clears throat> I'll never forget when I went to my school mailbox and I got my third letter of, hey, do you really want to be a college student? Um, I remember clear as day thinking, it may be when my grandkids get one, but I am going to get a degree. And something flipped in me. The switch kind of turned on, and I started doing all of those things like studying and reading books, and I, I got on mission, and it was amazing how it helped, and I was able to get uh, after the first couple years of college, I was able through a lot of work and sweat and perspiration and begging people to help me because we didn't have all the awesome tutoring stuff we have now today, which I'm so grateful for. Man, I would have used that to death. Um, and I finally got my GPA up to where it was really good. I was able to go on for my master's, and it was great. But, but, I, but it wasn't until I realized my mission as a college student. Um, uh, we could talk about being on mission in all kinds of different areas of life. We could talk about being on mission with our money, our finances. That's why we offer a financial peace university around here, to help people get on mission. Uh, we could talk about career, uh, to be on mission with your career. That's why we, a lot of you have been in college or are currently in college, and you're on mission for a degree for a career. Some of you, especially this close to the first of the year, are on mission for physical fitness until about the middle of February. Um, we could talk about being on mission in our marriage. Uh, me and Krista are now, as of three or four months ago, officially empty nesters, and uh, so we had to figure out something to do. We had to, you know, just get back to, oh, it's, it's us sitting here on the couch again watching the news. And, you know, we're not running kids to ball games and things. So we wanted to stay on mission for our marriage. And so just actually just a week or two back, uh, Krista got us a book. It's called A Year of Us, One Question a Day to Spark Fun and Meaningful Conversations. You know, that this is on purpose so that me and Krista, even though we've been married 20 years, um, we can stay on mission. L let me, just for fun, can I step out of preaching for a moment and just read you a couple questions? Okay. Uh, what famous story or movie character did you relate to most as a child? Krista said Nancy Drew. Any of Nancy Drew fans back there from back in the olden days? Okay. <laughs> I said uh, it was a TV show, it was Happy Days. You know, like I felt like the Fonz, man. I mean, like, <laughs> Krista leaned more into Ralph Mouth, but here's another question. We, we haven't responded to these yet. These are in the days to come, but I'll give you a sneak peek. Have you ever learned something from someone who held a political viewpoint that was radically opposed to your own? No. Okay. <laughs> Here's, I mean that. Um, what's a recent embarrassing situation you were in and how did you handle it? I just kept preaching. <laughs> if you were here last Sunday, you'll know what I'm talking about. I still think you all are wrong about that sign. 
Um, here, here, one more. Who was your first memorable crush and why did you like them? Oh, clear as day, I've talked about her before. Her name was Janet. I mean, she was one hot, foxy mama and her mama must have been another good looking mama too, man. I mean, and uh, I was head over heels in love. It was frowned upon by a lot of folks around me because I was four and she was 16, but man, it was love. <laughs> but we're doing that to stay on mission. Satan wants to wreck marriages, right? That's for a whole other sermon, but... <clears throat> um, we could talk about how we're right on mission in some areas. Uh, I feel like I'm on mission pretty good in some areas, but other areas I'm like, well, I still got to figure, you know, I got to get more on mission in these other areas. Well, the Apostle Paul talks about our mission as Christians in 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to begin with verse 18, and it says this, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, all right, in other words, of pointing people to Jesus, of bringing people to Jesus, of making Jesus famous. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. That's heavy, exciting, and scary at the same time. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And so the Apostle Paul says, as a Christian, for us to be on mission, our mission is to point people to Jesus that we are ambassadors for Jesus. Wherever you go, whether you're in your classroom, whether you're on the ball court, whether you're at home, whether it's your place of employment, your neighborhood, every room you step into, if you are a follower of Christ, you are on official business. You are an ambassador for Jesus. Um, can you back up to the title sl slide a second? Oh, well, no, that's okay, never mind. That's good. You're good. Um, the, the way I think of it, I, I added a little something to it for me personally. It, the title is represent, I, I put uh, in my notes, represent y'all. <laughs> represent y'all, right? Everybody say it with me. Here we go. Represent y'all. Now, y'all, the original Greek of you all means everybody or everyone or the masses or generality. But we are called to represent uh, now, Paul isn't simply talking about, you know, hashtag Team Jesus. Paul isn't simply talking about buying New Life logo and wearing it around and, you know, bracelets, WWJD. Uh, what Paul is saying is that you're called to represent Jesus, to be an ambassador of his, so that when you walk into a room, people will not see so much of Troy, but they'll see Jesus. That's what we're called to. As Christians, first and foremost, to our uh, relationship to the world, we are to be ambassadors of Christ. We are called by God to represent him in a lost and a dying world. And as we become more like Jesus, the world sees his character in and through us. 
may I become less so that he can become greater in my life. That, that's a tall order. It seems intimidating, but Paul is giving us the words to help us understand how we are to represent Jesus, how we are to be his ambassadors. And to understand this task of being ambassadors, we're going to back up a few verses. Um, because you would think that in the Apostle, Paul telling, the Apostle Paul telling us to be ambassadors, he would give us kind of this to-do list, this just kind of a black and white check-off list. You know, if, if you want to represent Jesus well, do steps one, two, and three, et cetera, et cetera. But he doesn't say a whole lot about what to do. Instead, he focuses more on who we are as a person, who we are as a Christian. Now, chapter 5, stay in chapter 5, but go back a few verses. Start at verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating. This is interesting. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point. We're going to talk about that for, for in a moment. A human point of view at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view how differently we know him now verse 17 this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what a new person the old life is gone a new life has begun and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ now if we just kind of skim over that because if you've been raised in church some of you have been raised in church you just kind of you know you've heard it time and time again you kind of skim over it but there are some truths that we need to understand in this that sometimes we miss. In fact, there are, are two truths that we need to understand in this about our identity uh, that we must understand about us if we're going to represent well. Okay, so back to verses 14 and 15. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer, what? Live for themselves. Instead, they will live for who? Who died and was raised again. So, the two phrases that are critical in this passage is, and, and if you have your Bibles, maybe circle them or highlight them or whatever. One phrase is, will no longer live for themselves. And then the second phrase that's critical is, will live for Christ. Um, what Paul is saying, what, what he's trying to remind us of, is that prior to being Christ followers, who did we live for? Self, right? My will, my way, what I thought is best, etc., etc. But now that we've started to follow Jesus, Paul says that something has changed. You're, you're going to step into this process of where you no longer live for self, but instead you're going to live for Jesus. And in the church of the Nazarene, um, in a lot of ways we refer to that as uh, sanctification. That's a big churchy word of where we go, hey, I'm done living for myself. I, I want to be totally sold out to God. And, and Paul is trying to get us to see something about our identity. Paul is saying, you're on a journey. God is growing you. 
uh, God wants us to understand at the very core of our being who we are. Our, our identity is wrapped up in this. You are not who you will be. In other words, right now you're not the same person, or I should say you shouldn't be the same person down the road that you are today. Like there's, there's, there's this growing process. God's growing you. He's shaping you. He's molding you. You're making process, you know, or progress. Some of you might be sitting and thinking, oh, Troy, you have no idea. I'm a horrible person. Even on the way to church this morning, I was fighting with my wife. I was arguing with the kids or whatever. Can I just give you a little bit of reassurance you're probably doing better than you think because of the fact that you're under the sound of my voice and you're in church and you have your family in church you need to give yourself a little grace god is growing you you're making progress um now i know a lot of you pretty well some of you i don't know very well at all and you say troy how how can you say that about me well god's word promises it in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And I am certain that God, who did what? He began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So God, who began the work in you, if you are a follower of Christ, says what? He'll finish it. He'll get the job done. You just need to allow him to work in you. You just need to allow him to, you need to live in obedience. And if you do that, you are going to grow. God is going to do this in you. It's a guarantee. You, you, you aren't who you are going to be one day. Today you're different than you will be 10 years down the road. Um, some of you are going, great, all right, I'm not who I'm going to be, but what about this thing I'm carrying from my past? Um, it's holding me back. I get it that I'm, God's going to change me and grow me over the days to come, but I've got this baggage. Look at what Paul says in verses 17 and 18. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. So Paul is trying to convince us that, yes, we are being made new, but then he comes back around with even more good news, and he says that you are new right now in Christ. You've already been made new. Uh, the minute you said yes to Jesus, God's word promises you became a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. If you're a Christian, your identity encompasses all the abundance and everything it means to be a child of God. If you said yes to God five minutes ago, you live with all the rights and privileges of a child of God. Your past no longer defines you. Your sins are wiped clean. Your slate is erased. You, you, you stand before God fully justified, fully loved, fully forgiven. And, and we're going we're gonna to get to see just a beautiful picture of what that means next Sunday when Josh is here. You're, you're not defined by your past. What's interesting, is that it talks about our sins being cast as far as the east is from the west. What's interesting about that is that's not a distance. That's a direction. 
They are to never meet. God will never remember. I'm not defined by my past. I'm not disqualified by my past. In fact, say it with me. I'm not disqualified by my past. Here we go. One, two, three. I'm not disqualified. You see, because the enemy would absolutely love to convince you that who you are or who you were in the past disqualifies you from God using you today or in the days to come. And I got to tell you, the enemy does a pretty good job at that. And the way that he does this is by reminding us. And when you're reminded of your past, you get weighed down by guilt and, and shame and discouragement. And, and that's a burden that we were not meant to carry. Too often we punish ourselves for past mistakes. Now, now I will say this. There, there are times where we need to go back and, and apologize or to make retribution, those kinds of things. But... We think, man, somehow if I could just make up the wrong that I've done, we walk through each day feeling less than. We call ourselves losers and no good. Satan knows that if he can weigh you down with guilt and shame and regret and remorse, if he can get you to live in your past, he can by all means prevent you from being the ambassador for Christ that you are called to be in this moment. Paul lets you know that you're currently not who you're going to be, but he also gives us the good news I'm not who I was, even now I'm made new. Listen, let me tell you something. Spiritual warfare is real. When you're in your workplace, when you're at home, when you're trying to do the thing that God wants you to do, when you're trying to have an intentional conversation uh, with a coworker, when you're trying to love your spouse the way he or she ought to be loved, when, when you're trying to raise your kids right, when you're, when you're trying to represent Jesus wherever you are, that voice comes in your head and goes, who do you think you are? Satan says your past disqualifies you from being this ambassador, which is our primary mission as a Christian. We must reject that. It's, it, it's, it's not true. Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to be burdened with that. Jesus died so that we can be set free from our guilt, from our shame, from our past. You're a new creation. Because of what Jesus did, you're not who you will be, but you're currently not who you were. And sometimes we just need to marinate in that and let it soak in, right? Well, let's take it a step further. Who you are, your identity, informs your activity. Okay, who you are shapes what you do. Uh, the reason Paul started with identity uh, before he got to the task of doing is key to being an ambassador for Jesus. If you want to know how to be an ambassador, ambassador, if you want to know what to do, first you've really got to understand who you are, you've got to understand whose you are, and when you realize that, you're not going to need a handbook as to how to be on mission to be an ambassador for Jesus. It, it becomes second nature as you read God's word and as you walk through life with your spiritual family and as you pray and as you learn and as you grow. 
So when you're the only Christian at home or at work or in class, it, it will become second nature to use to choose conviction over compromise. It will be second nature to you to choose truth over lying. It, it, uh, it, will, it will become second nature to you to choose to stand up for what's right rather than to just kind of fit in. Um, instead of trying to be someone you're not, it will become second nature to you to be genuine. Genuine. You'll start to see others like Jesus versus judging them and so on. Here's some more good news. When you know who you are, you know that your past is taken care of and you'll be confident that God is working not only in your past, but he's working in your present. You'll also have confidence in the fact that your future is taken care of as well. It's not just about this lifetime. It's about eternity. You realize that you're just passing through this world. Your time on earth is just a blip on the screen. There, there's no illustration that I could physically give to help you understand our time on earth, how much of just a blip it is compared to all of eternity. And leaning into that helps us represent God well. Now, we, we skip verse 16. Go back to verse 16 a minute and listen to what Paul says there. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him. So when we become a, an ambassador, when we are an ambassador for Christ, we look at others differently from a different point of view. When, when we lean into our identity as Christians, we realize that there are only two groups of people in the world. You know, because prior to being a Christian, we would evaluate people, they're black, they're white, they're rich, they're poor, they're young, they're old, they're Michigan fans, they're Ohio State fans, they're, you know, whatever, right? After we become followers of Christ and are ambassadors for him, we realize there are really only two categories of people, and, the, and that, that would be these, those who have been rescued and those who need to be rescued. That's it. Suddenly, when you're on mission as an ambassador for Christ, you can't sit at the soccer game and keep your face in your phone. Because there are people around you who God is calling you to build relationship with, right? You know, when you, when you sit in your class, when you realize, you know, at work that there are people all around you who fit into one of two categories. They are either rescued or they need to be rescued. It's in that moment that you realize, hey, I'm on mission here. I'm on a mission to be the ambassador for Jesus Christ. Your mission is to point them to him. Your mission is to make Jesus famous. Your mission is to move them, help them with God's help to move from needing rescued to being rescued. So I, you know, I milk the beginning of the year as long as I can as a preacher. We're at the beginning of the year, right? Give or take a couple weeks. Can we be on mission this year? Can we be on mission? May God revive us. You know, in the days to come, we're going to be getting into 
building program and capital campaign and we're we, in the midst of all of that we're trying to figure out what to do next and all this stuff but through it all may we never get our eyes off of the fact that we are on mission to point people to Jesus may it never become about a building may it never become about a program may it never become about an event may it never become about a staff member or a pastor may it be about pointing people to Jesus we're going to sing a song here in just a moment as the praise team comes God revive us wake us up in 2023 help us to be fully aware that we it is not just a cliche but we truly are ambassadors for the kingdom of God just worship with us this morning stand if you
Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll see you guys next week. Somebody, somebody